Good morning, church. It's good to see you. What a joy it is to be with you this morning. So uh, what a crazy week, huh? Crazy, crazy. So this week, uh, my wife and I celebrated uh, 10 years on Thursday. It was our 10-year anniversary. Thank you. She has put up with me all those years. She's been a good woman. So, um, so we celebrated on Thursday. Uh, before this week, you know, we were planning. We were going to have a spontaneous week if we want to go to Austin, Waco. San Antonio is one of our favorite places to go. You know, we can do that. You know, we're, we're going to be kid-free. My brother and my sister-in-law watched our kids uh, the entire week. We picked them up yesterday. So, you know, we were planning to have a great week, right? And then Snowmageddon happened. And just a crazy week, right? So luckily, fortunately for us, unfortunate for others, we did not lose electricity. Uh, we're in Forney. Uh, for some reason, we just did it. Uh, we lost a little bit of uh, water pressure here and there, but uh, we had electricity the entire week. Others did not. Uh, so many people. Fortunately, also, uh, where my kids were in Venus, Venus, Texas, didn't even know that place existed until my brother moved out there. Uh, they had power as well. So um, aside from that, we, have, we had a great week. Uh, we enjoyed it. You know, I think the best part was being kid free, you know. Uh, so on Thursday, I have so two highlights, you know, Thursday, obviously the main one. Uh, it was a, a great day, we, uh, the celebration. We went out. Uh, we were trying to go to Saltgrass, I mean, uh, Texas Roadhouse, but it was closed because of the boiled water uh, in Mesquite. So we were passing by. I, wanted, I needed some new work boots. Uh, so we were passing by Saltgrass. We were going to Boot Barn. And I looked to the uh, parking lot, and I thought to myself, that is uh, strangely uh, overcrowded. There are too many cars there to be closed. Let's go check it out. So we went to Saltgrass. Luckily, it was open. Uh, you know, it was like around 3 o'clock. Uh, so the next highlight was we're ordering, you know, our drinks. And the waiter, I asked for a drink, and the waiter asked me for my ID. So he said, he said, uh, you can either show me your ID or you can take off your mask. And I was like, well, no brainer. Just take off my mask, right? So I take off my mask, and he looks at my face, and he says, Sorry, I'm going to have to see your ID. And I was like, I'll take that, you know? Like, hey, that's good. I don't mind it. So I pull out my ID, and uh, I'm, I'm like, so I'm curious. How old do you think I am, you know? And he said, 25. And I was like, all right, you know? Yes. So, you know, I'm 37, so I'm showing him my ID. And he's like, all right, you're good to go. So that was my second highlight of the week. It was a great week, you know, wonderful. So anyway, moving on. So uh, we're on the Y series. Uh, Pastor Randy has been on this for a couple of weeks, and it's been a great, great series. So today's message, we're going to tackle why does God often ask us to do difficult things? So things that are outside of our, our skill set or outside of our comfort, comfort zone or just plain hard to do. This can be difficult to understand, especially 
in the moment when we're going through that experience. If you ever thought you were alone through those difficulties, you are not. So today we're going to look into that. We're going to see uh, several stories of people that went through difficult times in the, in the Bible. So we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11, and I was trying to get or find a translation that, that would speak to us this morning, and I really liked the message. So that's what I'm going to be reading out of. So starting in verse 1, the fundamental fact of existence is, is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on, on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them apart or set, set them above the crowd. I love how the author begins this chapter. This faith. This is our faith. So the beginning of our faith is when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the beginning of our faith. And what a joy it is. Whether, it is, whether you felt it to be a supernatural thing or just something you know, unusual, when you felt God's presence for the first time, when you felt that he was calling you, that was a special moment. And, and if you decided to say yes to that, uh, then that's when your faith began. So this faith of ours is important. Verse 6 explains it this way. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. The Bible never pre presents a complete definition of faith. This verse provides the best explanation we can find. In practical terms, faith consists of taking God at his word and acting accordingly. Faith develops assurance about things which do not yet exist. The idea of being sure provides a conviction that we hope for will happen, not because we make it happen, but because God has said it will happen. This is out of the Holman New Testament commentary. So for many of us, this takes a leap of faith. So for example, I feel like serving, but I've never done anything like this before. Where should I start? This could be nerve wracking. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But we need to start somewhere. I remember uh, going, going to a Christian church and, and you know, people are asking if we need people to serve. And I remember that I, I wanted, I had a you know, feeling like I, I want to serve, but I'm scared out of my mind. Like, I don't know where to start. Um, where, where do I start? You know, just nervous. Um, but I remember uh, an old pastor of mine taught me uh, to start somewhere, anywhere. It doesn't matter. If it doesn't work, then try something else. If you don't like it, then try something else. The key is never quit serving the Lord. Uh, so my wife and I, when we were first married, we were at a church serving, and uh, they needed uh, volunteers in the children's department. That's where, uh, at, at the time, my wife, she grew up in church. She served in the children's department. So, you know, to encourage her, I said, hey, um, I, know you want to, I know you want to do this. Let's do it together. So we did. Uh, and not long after, I realized this is not my calling. 
I was teaching uh, fifth graders, okay, and I just did not enjoy it, okay? What's my point? The point is, I wouldn't have known. I didn't like or it wasn't my calling to serve in the kids department <laughs> if I wouldn't have served, right? Now, on the flip side, I really enjoyed working with youth. Some of you are like, you're crazy, right? But I, I enjoyed it. I, I've always enjoyed working with youth. Um, so that's the point, is that if, if you've never served before but you feel like serving, then start somewhere. There, have, there are plenty of opportunities here, cafe, greeters, you know, Lauren said it really well. There are many opportunities for you to serve. So start somewhere. If it doesn't work, try something else. So on this note, when we serve, we serve God first, not people. The moment we start serving people and not God, disappointments, bitterness, anger, frustrations, and defeat are knocking at the door of our heart. Why do you think that is? Because people will do just that. They will disappoint us, and some people will just drive us crazy. That's the reality. But sooner or later, they will understand who they are in Christ. Sooner or later, they will grow up, mature, and be a firm foundation in the faith. We can be a part of that if we don't give up if we just continue on. If, if, we, if I started here, I didn't like it, it, it just wasn't fulfilling, then go somewhere else. So remember, we serve God first. If we have this mentality right, the next time someone drives us crazy, we will choose to be joyful because we are, we are serving God and not people. So what happens if we choose not to serve? Maybe it's because we don't want to, uh, we don't care to, or we're scared to. We rob ourselves and others of God's purpose for our lives. The Lord created us with a special, special talent. He gave us a spiritual gift to put into practice. If we choose not to serve, we rob ourselves and others of so many blessings, and we hinder our own spiritual growth and maturity. That's the importance of us just putting our emotions aside and just doing it. Don't worry about being nervous, just do it, okay? There are several stories in this chapter that we're going to skip because of time. Uh, the story of Cain and Abel, Enoch and Noah. But let's start with the, with the story of Abraham. So verse eight. By an act of faith, Abraham said yes to God's call to travel to an unknown place that would become his home. When he left, he had no idea where he was going. By an act of faith, he lived in the country promised him, lived as a stranger, camping in tents. Isaac and Jacob did the same, living under the same promise. Abraham did it by keeping his eye on an unseen city with real, eternal foundations. The city designed and built by God. Sometimes God's greater gift begins with a small step of obedience. It causes our faith to grow. It is the essence of the hall of faith to go to places we don't want to go and stay in places we want to leave. So why does God keep me here 
in this workplace. I've been trying to leave this workplace. I'm trying to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm giving up applications, sending applications out. Why am I still stuck here? Could it be that he's trying to chisel some imperfections out of your life? Or do you need to start or cultivate a relationship with one of your coworkers? Or how about asking them for forgiveness because of the way that you have treated them? Sometimes the boss or the manager, they take, they make, they get the worst out of us, don't they? Especially if they're not that good of a boss or a manager. Sometimes we take that home with us and it affects our spouses. It affects our kids because people are taking it out on us. We're taking it out on people. Sorry, I know I'm, I might be stepping on some toes. Not sorry, because that's the truth, right? We're people, we make mistakes. But if, if that's something that we're fighting with, the first step is ask the Lord to, to change you, and he will, and he can. Or maybe God is calling you to start a Bible study in your workplace. May, even if the, you know, if, if the company doesn't believe in the Bible or, or if you know, you're surrounded by a bunch of atheists, maybe what God is calling you to do is start a Bible study with your coworkers. What a thought and what an idea. And if you decide to do that, you will be a blessing not only to others, but you will be a, it'll be a blessing to yourself and to the Lord because you're going to grow in your faith by doing so. Verse 13, each one of these people of faith died not yet having in hand what was promised, but still believing. How did they do it? They saw it way off in the distance, waved their greeting, and accepted the fact that they were transients in this world. People who live this way make it plain that they are looking for, for their true home. If they were homesick for the old country, they could have gone back anytime they wanted but they were after a far better country than that, heaven country. You can see why God is so proud of them and has a city waiting for them. Not yet having in hand what, what was promised, but still believing. Uh, I don't know if you know this, we are still the ones, we are the ones that have at hand what was promised. The life of Jesus Christ. Uh, his death and resurrection, the Holy Spirit. They wanted that. They waited for that, but they never received it. We, on the other hand, have received that. We have seen the fulfillment of that promise. That is, that's, so this is why it's crucial for us to believe. We should believe. So this reminded me of Doubting Thomas. That's not his name. That's what we know him by. But let's read the account when Jesus appears to Thomas in John chapter 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was now with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the, where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. <laughs> it would have been awesome if he would boo, right? <laughs> doors were locked, all of a sudden Jesus appears, right? But he says, 
Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. We are those people. When we choose to believe, we are those people. We are blessed because we have not seen the Lord, but have chosen to have faith and have chosen to make this faith ours. Therefore, we are blessed. That is awesome. So listen to the faith of all these people. Verse 17. By faith, Abraham, at the time of testing, offered Isaac back to God. Acting in faith, he was as ready to return the promised son, his only son, as he had been to receive him, and, and this after he had already been told, your descendants shall come from Isaac. Abraham figured that if God wanted to, he could raise the dead. In a sense, that's what happened when he received Isaac back alive from the altar. What a fantastic faith, right? And we look to that faith, we look to Abraham, we can learn from his faith. He was about to kill his son, and he believed wholeheartedly, even if I strike my son and he dies, God can res resurrect him in this moment. But that's not what happened, right? Verse 20, by an act of faith, Isaac reached into the future as he blessed Jacob and Esau. By an act of faith, Jacob on his deathbed blessed each of Joseph's sons in turn, blessing them with God's blessing, not his own, as he bowed worshipfully upon his staff. By an act of faith, Joseph, while dying, prophesied the exodus of Israel and made arrangements for his own burial. By an act of faith, Moses' parents hid him away for three months after his birth. They saw the child's beauty and they braved the king's decree. By faith, Moses, when grown, refused the privileges of the Egyptian royal house. He chose a hard life with God's people rather than an opportunistic, soft life of sin with the oppressors. He valued suffering in the Messiah's camp far greater than Egyptian wealth because he was looking ahead, anticipating the payoff. By an act of faith, he turned his heel on Egypt. Indifferent to the king's blind rage, he had his eye on the one no eye can see and kept right on going. By an act of faith, he kept the Passover feast and sprinkled Passover blood on each house so that the destroyer of the firstborn wouldn't touch them. By an act of faith, Israel walked through the Red Sea on, the, on dry ground. The Egyptians tried it, and they drowned. By faith, the Israelites marched around the walls of Jericho for seven days, and the walls fell flat. And by an act of faith, Rahab, the Jericho harlot, welcomed the spies and escaped the destruction that came on those who refused to trust God. These people faced so many difficulties, so many challenges, but God was with them. Same for us. We will face difficulties, we will face challenges, but God is with us. That is the promise that God gives us. 
He never leaves us nor forsakes us. That no matter what we go through, he is with us. Even when we feel like he's not. Even when we feel like he's abandoned us. That's not true. That is not the case. God is with us and will never leave us. Because of life difficulties, some people blame God. Others give up. But we read these stories and, and they did the opposite. They pressed on. They relied on God's strength and they fought the good fight of faith. That's exactly what we're called to do. Even through the difficulty, even through the circumstance, even when life happens, we are to do the same. We are to fight the good fight of faith. It is the essence of the hall of faith. It begins with a small step of obedience. And when you take that step of obedience, watch it grow and watch it flourish, blossom, and it's going to be a blessing to you and to others. Verse 32, I could go on and on, but I've run out of time. There are so many more, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets. Through acts of faith, they, they toppled kingdoms, made justice work, took the promises for themselves. They were protected from lions, fires, and sword thrust turned disadvantage to advantage, won battles, rooted alien armies. Women received their loved ones back from the dead. There were those who, under torture, refused to give in and go free, preferring something better, resurrection. Others braved abuse and whips, and yes, chains and dungeons. We have stories of those who were stoned, sawed in two, murdered in cold blood, stories of vagrants wandering the earth in animal skins, homeless, friendless, powerless. The world didn't deserve them, making their way as best as they could on the cruel edges of, the, of this world. So here's the challenge. Stop praying to just be safe. Pray to God to use you. That's the challenge. And if you, if you take that challenge, it's going to be wonderful. We are not promised a safe life. We are not promised a perfect life as Christians. We will have the same life as everyone else. Everyone out in the world, our family members, coworkers, everybody. We will have the same life. But the difference should be that when we go through those difficulties and those circumstances and those challenges, that we are set apart from those people, that we act different, differently, that we do differently, if that makes any sense. We are different. We are set apart. We are God's children, and we need God's strength to go through those difficulties. Verse 39. Not one of these people, even though their lives of faith were exemplary, got their hands on, on what was promised. God had a better plan for us, that their faith and our faith would come together to make one completed whole. Their lives of faith not complete apart from ours. So, if we choose to live this life, then people will see us, people will see our lives, and when they start going to church because of you, 
because of the way that you live your life, you know, that's contagious because they can't, they can't get that out in the world. To, to get a life with God and to live a life for the Lord, it's a life of joy. It's a life of completeness, of wholeness. And when people see that, they notice that. So they will possibly ask you, or you might ask them to come to church. So when they come to church and they, they listen to this, and they start reading the Bible themselves, and they, they start seeing all of these stories, they're like, I see. I see why. I see why they are living the way that they're living. I see why they believe what they believe. And it, and it makes it whole. It, it, it makes it complete, right? So that's, that's what it's saying here. Together to make one completed whole. Their lives of faith not complete apart from ours. We'll finish with this. Stand with me. I believe this wraps up this morning's message perfectly. So Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. So I want you to listen to what it, what it tells us. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it, strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item that long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. That's good. That's good. Praise the Lord. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need your help. Help us through these difficult times. Maybe we're not experiencing it in our homes, uh, but we might be experiencing it in our workplaces. If we're not there, we are definitely experiencing it in the world. We need your help. Help us go through these difficult times. You, you have appointed them for a reason and for a purpose. May we not quit. May we not give up. May we march on fighting the good fight of faith, but Lord, we, we need your help and we need your strength. Help us do so each and every day. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.